Welcome back to Are We Europe? Today's episode is an interview that was recorded at our exhibition at Face B in Brussels in early November. It's an interview with one of the creators of a photo story called The Forgotten Remedy from Are We Europe's latest issue, Vices and Values. Enjoy. Uh, we're here at Fazbit today um, to um, kind of talk with Jarek, uh, Jarek Olesinski um, about his story, The Forgotten Remedy, uh, which um, is part of uh, the magazine Vices and Values um, that is exhibited today at Fazbit. And I really, really can't wait to get started uh, to talk about the history, uh, the, the article and, and everything that went behind it. But can you first introduce yourself to the audience? Who knows you? But <laughs> I'm Jarek. <laughs> nice to meet all of you here uh, again, because uh, I've seen you so many times before. I am originally like I work as a digital communications consultant, uh, but on the side I started developing my passion for journalism and storytelling. This came about from uh, before I was working in diplomacy and I was working working in the media department where I used to work with a lot of journalists. Uh, and at one point I was like, I need, to do, I need to see the other side. How does it look like when you write stories and you interview people? And this is something that I wanted to try. And I started off with a story about the LGBTQ plus community in Poland, with our Europe as well, and also with Marcelina that we will speak about later, but my, one of my best friends who did amazing photography. And somehow we developed this uh, dynamic with Marcy and we engaged in a lot of projects with our Europe and this is how we are here and uh, this is how we did the story. And thank you for coming here. Thank you for having me. So I have a first question for you. When you saw the pitch call um, for the, the, the vices and value issue, what were your initial thoughts? Herbs is something that has been part of my life since I was basically born. Uh, we have a huge tradition of herbs in, in Poland, but not only in Poland, in Eastern Europe. Uh, my Eastern European peeps here probably know. <laughs> uh, and here as well. <laughs> uh, that it's still a big part of, uh, of, um, of the lifestyle in, uh, in Eastern Europe. And one of the reasons I was like thinking about why is it like this and why is there a contrast in this part of Europe? Because I have lived in Western Europe for al almost half of my life uh, and I didn't see this. Uh, so I was like wondering why, why is it like that? And the first thing that came to my mind is communism because Poland was a communist state until like last 34 years, 1989, that's where we went into capitalism. Uh, and during communism, you did not have access to conventional medicine. You, it was harder to go to a pharmacy and buy medicine. So people still practiced herbalism and used herbs as a remedy to treat some illnesses. Um, another aspect also that is very important to mention here that during communist times, there was no advertising, there was no consumption, there were no big pharma corporations that would sell you different drugs and different supplements. So the access to these types of drugs was not there. And then when communism fell in Poland, we got this influx of these corporations like McDonald's, KFC, uh, you know, pharma corporations coming in and trying to grab their piece of the market, uh, eventually leading to kind of people in Poland turning away from this uh, herbal uh, approach to medicine, which we are slowly regaining. Like people are kind of like, retouching with themselves. 
Yeah, so the, the story, The Forgotten Remedy, talks about a herbalist uh, Ilona's quest to help people reconnect with nature uh, through herbal remedies. Can you tell me a little bit more about Ilona? Ilona is amazing. Like, uh, she's, she's an inspiration. So Ilona, she is in her 40s, and she grew up in a small village, I would say. Like, it wouldn't be even a village in the, in the countryside, close to where I come from, Lublin. So I come from southeastern region of Poland, which is also known uh, for its agricultural uh, input in the, in, in, in the industry. Uh, so we produce a lot of good quality agricultural products, and there's a lot of farms and a lot of land that is cultivated. Uh, one of the biggest producers of lavender, apparently, according to that's what Ilana mentioned, in Europe. Um, so, so she grew up in, uh, in Motyć, in, in this countryside. Uh, she describes herself as a farm child. Uh, however, at the, by the age of 35, she was running a really intense business. Uh, she forgot about her health, about her body. She completely disconnected from herself, and she ended up having cancer. So she was diagnosed with cancer, and she decided to supplement her treatment with herbs. Uh, and it took her like five years to regain the control of her body and go get back to her health with the use of herbs. Uh, and thanks to that, she decided to uh, venture out into herbology, and now she's a lecturer in herbology in a lot of universities in Poland. You can do a course in herbology. Uh, up until, I, th I think, 70s or 80s, herbology was part of the medical school in Poland, so it was a compulsory subject for uh, medical students, which kind of like disappeared also because of the influence of the corporations, the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical corporations. So now she runs, uh, she does workshops, uh, including children and uh, for children, and she runs um, her own practice where you can go in and she mixes uh, herbology with her degree in clinical psychology. Oh, wow. What an inspiring life and story, actually. Um, you can see Ilona on the photo yeah, here. So, so this is Ilona. She's wearing a traditional costume from the area that she comes from. And she's in front of the herbalist hut. So the, the building is part of the museum of the countryside, which is an open museum in Lublin. Uh, and in the tradition, the Slavic tradition, in the commun community, there was always a herbalist, usually a woman, who would uh, provide remedies for any illnesses that people would have in the community. So she actually, in this hut, she organizes workshops uh, on herbs, herbs and herbology. Amazing. And what I'm, what I'm getting from what you're saying a lot is that it's a form of resistance in a way, that the, the, the kind of herbal remedies or more traditional ways of looking at health is kind of a resistance against like capitalistic or like big corporation uh, taking over the health industry. Do you agree with that or? I agree. I think it's not even about this. I think it's about globalism as well. Because I think as much as uh, globalism connects people and has its positive aspects, I think it also has negative aspects. And one of the negative aspects of globalism is kind of trying to turn away from the heritage that uh, you had and that your ancestors practiced. And I think Herbalism is part of our heritage in Poland, uh, which is thankfully still practiced. And one thing that Ilona did, which kind of was very interesting, and the way she like introduced me to herbs, 
which I already knew, but it was a different introduction, is when I arrived to where she lives and to this workshop that she uh, hosts her uh, trainings, she took me out to the field. She, she pointed me to a herb and she's like, pick this herb, smell it, rub it, try to connect with it, use your senses. And she made an amazing point and I was like, fuck, like, I got completely disconnected from my senses because I live in a life where I'm always, always on my phone, always on the computer. Like the last two, three years, we were sitting at home, like watching Netflix because we were locked in, inside of our, our homes. And I think this is the issue that we also have as a society that we're facing. We beca- we're becoming desensitized. And herbs and nature kind of helps us bring ourselves to closer to ourselves and closer to the environment. Because when you're using your phone, you don't use your senses. You just look at the blue screen at the end of the day. So this is something that was very inspiring. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going like beyond the phil- physiological or like somatic effects. Um, you know, it's, it's much more about culture, or like what it means for you psychologically also as a person. And I, and I really like this approach to it. So you brought in tea today. Uh, this is lemon balm, right? Yeah, with quince. Um, ooh. Can you tell us a little bit more about this tea or about some of the remedies um, that Ilona talked to you about? Yeah, so the remedies that she told me a lot uh, about remedies. Uh, lemon balm is uh, very good for anxiety and uh, to calm people down. Uh, I usually drink it before sleep. Uh, so these are things that I've already been drinking because uh, my mom used to give me lemon balm <laughs> when I had exams in high school. So, <laughs> uh, so this is something that I've been practicing for a long time. But I think herbs is something also very personal. And with herbs, you can also find your way. And when I asked Ilona about herbs, like I was like, so how do I know which herbs do I cultivate? And she's like, just connect with them. Just look at the herb You see if you like it, you like the smell. If you like it, then it means that it's a herb that you need to cultivate yourself. And anyone can do it. You can go to your garden, you can grow herbs on your balcony, and you can start practicing them and supplementing your diet and your lifestyle with that. Um, my favorite is lemon balm, but also uh, there is cistus, which is uh, usually grown in Turkey. And Turkey is a big producer of cistus, and it has a very high uh, antioxidant rate. So it's very good for um, your immune system. So I usually drink it every day after lunch. So that was one of the questions, actually. Was, it was um, basically, uh, there's a quote in the article that says, herbs were part of our ancestors' daily routine, so why can't they be part of ours? Which I thought was really um, interesting. And I wanted to ask you, are you applying this now to yes. your daily life? Yes, I apply. And since, uh, since uh, the visit uh, to Ilona's hut, uh, I bought... Uh, Uh, this book, <laughs> uh, it's a book about herbs, and this is a, like these books are available in every language because if, if you start digging into your own heritage, you will realize that in a lot of countries in Spain, uh, in, in France, even in Belgium, herbs are, were practiced. Uh, and like when I started reading this book, there, I realized that there's like so many herbs that you can, like, there are so many herbs that there, is so many, there are so many herbs that have different. Uh, different powerful uh, influences on you that you can practice in, the, in your house, like you can grow them in your home. We have that a lot. Uh, I, in, in Morocco, we use cumin for just about anything. And so if you have an upset stomach, you drink a shot of t- cumin with water. It really helps. Or uh, in Switzerland, you also have a lot of like uh, different teas and infusions for anything related to 
colds. Um, so it was really inspiring as well to read the story because it reminded me of a lot of the remedies I had myself uh, growing up. So, um, so you work with uh, Marcelina Dvorak for this uh, for this story, and as you said at the beginning, for other stories too. Uh, can you tell me a bit about how you guys went about to to create this story and what was the process? So we've worked before uh, on this LGBTQ plus uh, um, story. Mar- Mar- Marcy is uh, one of my best friends, so um, so yeah, so we cooperate really well because we know each other. I mean, it's very interesting to see her in action because if she's in action, she's on fire. I don't go near her area <laughs> because she's very. Um, very into it. And the reason why she's like, if you look at the photos uh, that she did, you can see the photos there. The, the reason why she c- can create this intimacy in the photo in just one snapshot is because she has a lot of experience. She's, her profession is a model. So she's been a model since like her teenage years. And because she has the look on the other side, she knows how to take shots and how to even make a person comfortable when she takes photography. And this is why these photos come out. Even if you look at the photos from other projects, they're very good. She's very professional. And she has this like special touch um, that also helps her create the atmosphere that she wants to create. Nice. And how did you guys meet, actually? We met by accident. So the funny thing is that uh, I used to study in London. And she's also from my hometown. Uh, and I was organizing when I was a student, I went back home for Christmas and I was organizing a birthday party, my birthday party. And then a friend of a friend brought a friend who was Marcelina. And then I was going for a cigarette and I was like, does anyone want a cigarette? And then Marcelina was like, yeah, I can go with you. And then we started smoking and I was like, okay, Marcelina, so do you live in, in here? And she's like, no, no, I live in London. And I'm like, me too. What do you do in London? Oh, I'm studying in a university. I'm like, me too. Which university? Goldsmiths University. Oh, me too. What do you study? International studies. Ah, me too. <laughs> so it turns out that we both studied the same thing, but she was a year lower than me. So, so that's how we met. It was very, um, very random. Oh, wow. I love it. I actually used to live right in front of Goldsmiths University. Ah, so, yeah, Goldsmiths. <laughs> it's all about the Goldsmiths. <laughs> So that, you, you mentioned cigarettes, and that brings me to one of my questions. As you know, the magazine Vices and Values talks about everything from sugar um, to coffee or um, psychedelics used for healing or, or even unrecognized alcoholism. And I was wondering, do you have a legal vice you want to tell us about? Uh, I just want to like also mention about this. Uh, so the magazine did a ver- like was a really nice job presenting, uh, you did a really nice job presenting drugs and vices uh, in the magazine. I think you had a very holistic approach to kind of showing how people use drugs in a different way. And for me also one fascinating thing with drugs is that we are living in a society where we're becoming more open towards them and there is more and more knowledge about drugs and even the illegal drugs are becoming something of a common thing for people. And this is a really good thing because drugs have been used by our ancestors in different rituals and traditions. It has been cultivated by our ancestors for thousands of years. Um, and then I think at some point as a society, we just got into like, you know, banning everything and like turning away from that, which is not necessarily a good thing because drugs, I feel they also help you look inside uh, if you use them in a good way, if you use them with balance. So that's one thing. And another thing is also, like, on the other hand, that 
we went to a society that can also abuse drugs. And, for example, I had a friend calling me the other day saying, oh, you know, I just ordered magic mushrooms because I watched a documentary on Netflix. And I was like, this is what's wrong with our society. Like, you watch something and you think you can consume these things, but it's like magic mushrooms is something more than this, you know? Uh, The same with ayahuasca. Like, I have friends who are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to this amazing retreat uh, close to London to do ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is a ritual that has been practiced by indigenous communities in Latin America. It's not only a thing that you can go and then take it and then the next day be treated for your anxiety or depression. There is a whole ideology behind it and there is a whole heritage behind it that you also need to understand before you do it. So I think this is like also a problem of the way we look at drugs. And then another thing, also the last thing that I have a problem with, and this is something that we also need to look at in our society, is that drugs in 2022, they go beyond physical. Social media is a drug. Data is a drug. Uh, Netflix is a drug. And we also need to look into that as well because we don't really think about now more and more about this, but we don't think about the impact of technology on our lives. Despite that it can have a good influence, it gives us a lot of solutions, but also we need to look at the way we abuse that as well. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree with you. I, that's why I was really challenged and impressed by this magazine. It's because we we look be beyond like the, the physiological effect or like the danger of drugs. It's more about the rituals and what they actually mean for us as a society. And, and I think there's so many different layers to it. And I think that's also why I really wanted to highlight this story because when we think about drugs, we think about vices, we think about addiction. And of course that's really problematic, but I, I also wanted to think about the value side of thing, right? The, the fact that they're linked to rituals, they're linked to specific kind of ways of looking at the world. And I, I thought that it was amazing that we could think about lemon balm as something as a drug. It completely questions and redefines what a drug is in, you know, stereotypes or popular imaginary. So it's really uh, cool. But I need to know, what is your advice? You didn't answer my question. Uh, let me do it diplomatically because I know that we record it. <laughs> When I go to Amsterdam, I like to enjoy cannabis sometimes. So I think uh, it's a drug that uh, helps me connect with myself if I'm in the right space. The same uh, with magic mushrooms. I think uh, it's it's something that I discovered uh, in the Netherlands because, you know, it's legal there. So so this is something that I discovered uh, recently and I feel that this is a (laughs) drug that uh, helps me lose like lose control because also we live in an environment where you have to control yourself in a lot of instances, a lot of settings. We're always under pressure. We're always running after something, you know? And when I tried magic mushrooms for the first time, there was a moment when I started getting like very stressed, like, oh my God, like, you know, it's hitting in. But then I realized it's time for me to lose control. And like, you can, like, if I were to recommend to do magic mushrooms, which I'm not doing, is to do it in nature and also to, it's a natural drug. I feel like cannabis and uh, like in general, a lot of psychedelics are nature-based. So the nature provides you something for a reason. So I think if you do it in respect to nature, then this is something that will serve you well. So um, I have two more questions for you. And then actually after we can pass around uh, the mic for people to uh, ask extra questions if you feel like it. So the writing this story and the 
learning even more about it through Ilona, um, about uh, drugs or like about herbal remedies here, change your outlook on how you view drugs? Like, did you feel like there was a before and an after? No, because Ilona kind of uh, encouraged me to take more drugs, you know, <laughs> in the form of herbs. <laughs> But uh, definitely one outlook that I had, like something that changed me um, when it comes to uh, drugs uh, and the way I see them is the heritage that I have from my region, thanks to the knowledge that Ilona passed. Uh, I didn't know, for example, because uh, about there, was, there is a village next to my hometown that I have friends who live in that village called Konopnica. And I never connected the dots because konopia in Polish means cannabis. And she explained to me that konopnica and konopia, it's like konopnica, it used to, the name comes from the fact that they used to grow cannabis plants in that area that they used to use for like remedies, medical remedies, and also to, uh, to uh, produce clothing. So... That's something that changed like completely like you know my mindset. I was like, why why they don't do it anymore? Like <laughs> it's funny because it's it's criminalized now, but it's actually part of everyday life. It's like I mean, it's like a cannabis in Morocco. I mean, it's very much part of history of the, the cultural history of the country, but now it's criminalized, you know, it's seen as something that shouldn't be used when actually historically people were using it. Uh, for a lot of different means. Yeah, and it's still used. You know, in Poland, for example, we have in every city you will find a herbal shop. And it's it's like, I feel like, in, for example, in Brussels or a lot of uh, big European, like Western European cities, herbs and these types of stores is something that is a bit like elitist. It's quite expensive to get herbs. It's like a certain lifestyle. But if you go to a herbal store in Poland, like you see everybody from the society in that store. And it's very accessible and cheap. We also have herbal tea rooms where you can go with your friends and drink herbs. You can go and ask them, like, oh, I want a herb for anxiety, and they will give you a herb for anxiety. So it's something that is practiced. My parents, they produce tinctures with amber and herbs that we drink in wintertime to boost our immune system. So, so it's something that is accessible and available, and this story kind of opened my eyes to it, that this is like heritage that we, we have, like that it's part of our heritage. It's so nice that also writing this story like kind of reaffirmed that for yourself. Um, and uh, so last question. Marcelina and Ilona couldn't be here today, sadly, and we're really sad not to have them around. But do you know if they have something that they'd like to add? Yes, because I've asked them. Yes. Marcelina, she would just like to say uh, thank you for the opportunity and for her to enjoy the photos because it's her first exhibition. Unfortunately, she couldn't make it. Ilona, there's two things that she wanted to share. One thing is for us not to consume but to nourish. To, especially when it comes to food. She has a big stance of the fact that our society, we consume food, we don't nourish ourselves. We don't look at what we're eating and how the food that we have impacts us. And one very interesting thing that she mentioned in Herbology teaches you that the food that you should be eating is the food that you can grow within two days of walk from where you were born. It's a bit different now because, you know, they didn't predict globalism, uh, globalization, uh, you know, 200 years ago or even more. Uh, but this is something definitely that also stuck in my mind is that you can have good omega-3 uh, oils in good quality butter. 
you can have nice potatoes, like locally sourced potatoes with a bit of butter and a sprinkle of herbs. You don't need to buy stuff from like Brazil. You don't need to buy acai that is imported all the way from Brazil and, you know, frozen and uh, defrosted, traveling like thousands of miles and thousands of miles and doing a CO2 footprint. So it's something that you can look into locally. And the other thing Ilona asks is to pass that we should respect nature because it has healing properties. So this is definitely something that she wants to pass on to you guys. Yeah, I'm going to add just one thing because it made me think about something. First, for everyone here, uh, if you have hay fever, eating local honey will help you. Um, just this. And it's funny because it looks like in what she's saying, there's just one step between food and nourishment and like a drug or a remedy. And it's quite nice that it's really um, rethinking this notion of what we put into our bodies because it's also a part of nourishing ourselves. Yeah. Connect with your senses, like listen to your body. I think this is like what we should be doing more as a society, like listen to yourself. Uh, don't listen from the outside, listen within. That is a lot of wisdom. Um, thank you. Uh, does anyone have any questions actually? So. I'm friends with Yadik, so he knows I'm Albanian. Um, and we have a big history on herbs as well. But uh, historically, I think, and I apologize to this mic and the people listening if I'm wrong, <laughs> it also comes from um, the, our pagan history before religion kicked in. And this is something that has been going on for centuries, um, obviously with you know political regimes and ups and downs. Um, and also the Turkish influence on Albania as well. I was wondering if the history of herbs in Poland goes before even communism. Yeah, so definitely, like communism was just one example, but in Poland, this is something that is comp uh, uh, that comes from our Slavic heritage. Yeah. The same like in Albania, we had like a really nice uh, like Slavic uh, culture. We had our own Slavic religion. There is Slav Slavic Slavic mythology. Uh, and this was practiced, so these hats, like, uh, and this whole, like, outfit, it has Slavic roots. And uh, one thing to note is that in Slavic, so, because we're talking about, you know, uh, this counter-movement about counter-capitalism, stuff like that, but herbology is anti-patriarchal as well, in a way, because in the past, this was practiced by women, in, at least in Slavic culture. This was something that women were specializing in, and... Also, the knowledge was passed on from the grandmother to the granddaughter because the mothers used to be busy outside in the field and doing house chores. So the grandmother was in charge of passing the knowledge to the granddaughter. And one thing that also is very interesting in Poland that the word witch in Poland means wiedźma, and wiedźma is connected to the word knowledge. And the reason why this is, that there is a connection is because women who were herbalists, they had tremendous knowledge about herbs. They had to know how to read. And at that time, reading was obviously reserved to certain people in the society. And they also posed a danger to the society, to the patriarchal system, because they had knowledge, they knew how to read. And they had a lot of power because people would go for advice to them. So uh, they would know everybody in the community. Um, so this is definitely that has been practiced in Poland for a long time. Up until recently, we still had the tradition of going every year to celebrate the Slavic goddess of Mother Earth called Mokos, uh, where you would water herbs. So every, every year, uh, the community would go and uh, celebrate uh, the goddess, like worship the goddess, uh, goddess uh, of uh, Mokos. 
which was female goddess. Now we don't have, unfortunately, female goddesses in, uh, in the Catholic culture in Poland. <laughs> you mentioned before that, I can't, I can't remember her name now, Ilona. She had cancer, yeah. but you didn't mention, unless I missed it, if, she, if the remedies she was taking for those three, four years, if they were complementary to like artificial medicine or like normal medicine. So she balanced both. Yeah, she, she balanced both uh, because obviously, like, uh, she did chemotherapy. I don't know much details, but I assume that she took a lot of very heavy medicine that also destroyed her body. So I guess she also turned to herbology to help her, like, regenerate her body and uh, nourishment also, right, the proper, uh, eat the right food uh, and drink the right, uh, right stuff. It was uh, complementary. But uh, there is like cases where people like only use herbal medicine, like cannabis also uh, now is a big thing when it comes to treat, uh, treat, treatment of cancer. Uh, so this is, I don't know if uh, you also mentioned this earlier, but um, you were mainly speaking about uh, kind of oral consumption of these herbs as well, but I don't know if you talked with Ilona or also in your own experience, because I know that you're a big... Palo Santo fan, um, but kind of also from your learnings in the book, if there are different ways to also consume or, or nourish your body with these herbs that are not just oral consumption or, yeah, just if you could maybe share some examples p potentially. Yeah, definitely. So Palo Santo is a, is a good example. It's a, an example that is far away from, from us in a way because it's a It's a tree that uh, is burned by uh, Native American communities uh, to clean the energy. It's, uh, it's, it serves as a, for cleansing purpose, purposes. But if you look at the second photo there, we in Slavic culture also there is a tradition of burning, uh, burning herbs. I think uh, it might be sage, although, yeah, sage. Uh, although I will have to double check. There is a, in the magazine you have the descriptions of uh, all of these rituals. Um, And yeah, there is like, it, it goes beyond, like uh, you were saying, it goes beyond just consumption. So there is a whole aspect around this as well. Uh, also, it's, uh, there is uh, herbs that help you with uh, skin problems, uh, with burns. So at the end, you will see that Ilona here, is, she's making um, a cream. Uh, I, don't know how you call, I don't know how you say it in English. Uh, not, not a cream, like a balsam or... Uh, Yeah, a pomade from, from herbs uh, here. Uh, so, so it goes beyond, uh, beyond just consuming. It will be a question for Ilona, but maybe you know, maybe you discuss it with her. As for the food, as we see now on Instagram and everything, we have all of those Instagrammers and people recommending now stuff. Sometimes with not a deep knowledge as probably she has, which it can be also dangerous because then you have some of those teenagers which believe everything. And then they try it at home and then they're not a, you know, a pharmacist or a doctor. I don't know if you know her opinion on that or what to recommend. Because you cannot just like make a cream and so on. When you make a cream at home, it gets bad very easily. You have a lot of bacteria. So you need to know, you know, there is a science behind as well. It's not like just mixing things at home. So I don't know if you discuss about this with her a bit. Uh, She, in general, Ilona, she doesn't really have a positive overview of uh, Instagram and uh, <laughs> social media. Because <laughs> she started off the interview with uh, criticizing the lifestyle. And what she does is also she organizes workshops for children and she forces them to leave their home. Like, it's illegal to have, like, phones or, uh, or cameras or anything digital 
with them and then she helps them reconnect with nature and something that we have been doing as teenagers and as children because we didn't have access to these technologies but unfortunately teenagers now they kind of live a different life but definitely like in the past you would go to a herbalist to ask for this knowledge uh, and herbalists would play an important role in the community and that's how we would know what to make and what not to make uh, but this knowledge is also widely accessible through books like this uh, where you can actually get like a really nice explanation on how to treat different things and how to use herbs for your own benefit. But probably what she would say also is to listen to your body and try to see what your body likes and uh, what works for you as well. Thank, Thank you. you to everyone that came today. Thank you for having me and for listening to me. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs>